I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. Hello, hello. You're listening to The Stew. My name is Jason Stewart. This is a food podcast. Andre Kanapara, say hello. Hello. Andre Kanapara, stop texting. I was texting my dad this picture of our guest at the table tonight. Yeah, my brother is working right now, so he could not make it. R.I.P. Stewie. R.I.P. Stewie. But we have replaced him with upgrades. With a member of the the Stew family. For sure. Extended family of the Stew Direct family of you, for sure. Jill Conaparo, say hello. Hello. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm here. We got a mom on the pod. Yeah, oh yeah. Is this the first mom on the pod? Great question. I don't know. We, there Cozy maybe, Kitchen have a kid? She has a corgi. I don't know if that counts. Uh, kind of think of, Len, I think of Lenny as That's a child. Close, but close I, enough. Great question, great question. Mm-hmm. We should only have moms on from now on. We need to break into the mom demographic. Welcome to our mom podcast, talking about cloth diapers versus yeah. disposables. We're, uh, <laughs> we're mommy bloggers now. We, I, over the Christmas break, I've fallen out of love with food, and I'm all about just mommy stuff. Well, and <laughs> shout out to Jason's mother. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Hello, Karen. Right Hi, now. Karen. I like that the first thing Hi, you said Karen. was, shout out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> By the way, swaddle question mark? <laughs> I mean, well, that's that's episode two, sweetie. Okay, all right, I'll hold off. It's so, another podcast. So you're you're in town visiting um, for this week, as as you do fairly regularly. Yes. Live in Kauai. Yes. Sometimes in Monterey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just get a no. Ever done heroin? All Just getting good, a little. No. There we go. There's a no. <laughs> Uh, so happy about that. And you're and you're a fan of the show, right? You listen to this. Huge fan of the show. Was I'm, I supposed to say that? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> you no, say no. exactly what comes to your mind. It's a really good show. This is a safe place. This is a circle <laughs> it's of trust. A really mom. good show. Yeah, this is kind of your time where you have the floor to just gas us up with compliments and praise. I've learned a lot. <gasps> I've learned no. a lot. I've Stop laughed it. a lot. I hope so. Yeah, but those things that absolutely. you learned, did you translate that information and knowledge into the kitchen with your own two hands? No. <laughs> no. Not, Not at all. Okay. Not, that, but that's because I don't really cook. That's why I love to lo- listen she, to cooking okay, shows. Okay, so she's mm. saying she doesn't cook, but she cooks every day. But what she does is she takes greens and steams them and puts mm. them with whatever meal my dad's cooking she with. She steams the shard for daddy. Yeah, that's and then, true. And then There's, daddy puts it in the bowl. There is never a refrigerator at a Conoparo household that my mom's at that doesn't have either already washed greens or cooked greens in Tupperware. There is always mm. beautiful, organic... Um, Flora, wherever my mom goes. That works out well that for... That's really nice. And I have become the baked vegetable queen. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. The baked trap vegetable yeah. queen? It's like a trap queen, but different. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> so <laughs> I'm laughing even though I don't know what that is. That's meant. okay. It's fine. <laughs> You're good at playing Drug along. dealers know what it is. I, I mean, I, I think we all aspire as, as men who like to cook food to have... A wife that will always have a stock of healthy, nutritious greens in the fridge. One either hundred thousand, either cooked and ready to eat or ready to be cooked. And it's then the eaten. dream. 
It I, is a dream. I get no attention for it. I am like the anonymous, healthy vegetable. You're presenter, you're the shard fairy, and I'm happy with that. Yeah. She's a very yeah. healthy, svelte, you know, beautiful mom. Yeah, that's true. Just saying. Jeez. So somebody, so 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 Donald, your husband, just wakes up every morning and. <laughs> Mm, how did this shard get here? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> no, definitely not in the morning. Mm. In the morning, I wake up smelling bacon mm. and croissants and uh, hear the fresh Was it hard for you presser. not to say croissant? Croissant. So nice. does, he make, croissant. does he make that from scratch? No, he bakes them after he's bought them previously. At but the, the smell bakery. still kicks in a little. Oh, so he'll buy but them. This is not I, in Kauai. She's talking about in Monterey. Yes. There's no, no good croissant. Kauai too. Where? Actually, we have Kilauea found bakery? the Hanalei Bakery. The Hanalei oh, Baking well, Company. New. It's called, that's, that's the that's new, new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make croissants yeah. to rival totally anywhere it. else. Because that's the people no who do barracuda, yeah. right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. On the island exactly. of Kauai? On the island on of Kauai. Zinoshore. <laughs> that's so funny. Because whenever I do this podcast, I always have in the back of my mind that it's a podcast that people could listen to worldwide. Yes. All over the, all over the world, not just America or L.A. So I'm always trying to rein it in when we get so regional specific, like when Andre or my brother will talk about L.A.-centric things too much and I have to try and broaden it out to paint the right. picture to the global listener and then here we are recommending the best little uh, croissant shop on the island of Kauai and well, I'm like I oh it doesn't get any more pinpoint regional specific than that and I used to think the best croissant I'd had was at a bakery in Monterey called Parker Lousseau which makes a wonderful croissant have and you did you go when you sorry not to cut you maybe. off but no, he please. may have been because that when he went to Monterey and stayed at the mm. house he had a list of places to go I think I remember you were, I don't know if I went there or not I'm it's good it's really good little Small French bakery yeah it's cute and I spent a few years ago a little time in Paris and I made it a mm. mission to test humble brag to have no no this is about croissants okay. one of my favorite things to do was to go to all the different patisseries and bakeries and check out their croissants to compare it to Parker Lousseau yeah. in Monterey, California. Because so, that's what you want to do as an American visiting France, is right. judge all of their pastries exactly. and tell them what's good and what's not good. And if possible, make them wrong. No. Or, also, <laughs> or be banned from the country forever for but, doing so. On the other side of the coin, you found a smart way to justify eating all the croissants in Paris. It's more like that. We're doing research, yes, babe. Yes. I gotta go. I mean, I mean, you know, you go to a foreign country and mostly all you have to do is go to museums, shop. Sure. And so I did like a little croissant mission. I assume that it was similar to a wine tasting where you have a spit bucket and you take one <laughs> bite of the croissant and go, no, no, this won't do, and then spit it out. No, I swallowed every time. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> are, you a, are you a plain chocolate or a, or a ham and cheese? Plain. No. Plain is the te- well, I no, will no, 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 Mom. Plain what's your favorite? Is what it's judged no, no, upon. no, no, no. What's your favorite? My favorite is almond. Yeah. Almond. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What yeah. a dignified. Yes. I know this. It's She's pretending. She's like, oh, just, well, just the straighter ridge. Yeah. Like, no, but Mom. You've had the, but you've had the. Almond's my favorite, too, FYI. You've had the pistachio one from Proof, or no? No. It's, I think it's. By the way, Proof it doesn't happen makes all the time. one of the best croissants I've ever tasted. I agree with that. That compares hands down she to any bakery I went to in Paris. But now I would say that the Hanlei Baking Company on Kauai 
definitely is up there. And they're not paying you to say that? No, absolutely not. She's getting free croissants for life. They're paying me to say that. I should let you know. I should be fully transparent about how this works. He just direct messaged him. They don't need to pay any of us to say that because those croissants are gone by 8.30 every morning. 8.30? Yeah, that's that's the wild shit. It's like Franklin Barbecue. People just are always like, well, just make more brisket. And mm-hmm. they're like, nah, we're good. We're good with what we make. It's like your croissants sell out at like 8.30 in the morning. It's like, yeah, but we don't want to make more and we're making enough money. We'll it's s- the vibe. I don't, that's it, well, exactly. I don't know if that's the vibe because I've talked to, to Proof Bakery about that. And they say that literally they make as much as they physically can in the amount of time they have with the amount of oven and kitchen space that they have. They fully maximize their cooking potential, and it still sells out. You can only make so much. And it has to be up to the standards of freshness and everything. Sure, sure, so sure. So they could just be making them all day, but, but, the, but they the have argu- to be fresh made that morning. But the argument is, like, then just get commercial space close to. And the argument for Franklin is, like, get more smokers. More smokers, and yeah. like, it's like that, So that... It can go on. They're not wrong, yeah. but the, what I'm talking about is, like, expand. And they're like... Nah, like right. we're at capacity, but capacity is good enough, and I respect that because it just means like it's another more money, more problems thing. Like you have one more commercial space and one more place to clean and one more ins- inspection mm-hmm. to and have, more so, employees, yeah. And so, on. so it's like it totally makes sense, except that like just make more croissants, dude. Mm-hmm. But also, that's how you, if you have your small but loyal audience of followers, then you're able to maintain this cult status. It's also quality control, too, right? right. That's the more you too. make, it's mm. like the less, you know, like the harder it is to really have that QC. We don't always want to scale. You know what I mean? No, and I, trust and me. And don't, don't eat a croissant every day. Then it's not special. <laughs> Even though you want to. I know I do. Right, right, right. But I don't. But you don't. I don't. You ma- you maintain your your svelte figure having chard and not croissants. A lot of chard, a lot of rainbow chard, and okay. I eat it as like as though it were medicine, not some culinary experience. With things like yeah. chard and, and other greens, it's not about it, it's not about making them. There's no a bacon really in special, these greens. Special recipe. It's about getting vitamins and nutrients through your food in a simple way. And and feeling great the way the universe intended you to, but you just yes. those. You've had yes. you've had this right. You've had what she makes every day. So basically, you're taking chard, taking it off the rib, not using the rib. She doesn't use the rib. <clears throat> I do in certain dishes, right? Leaf only. Leaf so, only. And she, what she'll do also, she'll buy four bunches, pull them all off the rib, wash them, and put them in a Ziploc bag. So it's just like ready to go. Right. And then mm-hmm. you get a pan hot with a little bit of olive oil. Mm-hmm. You throw the actually, chard in. Actually, that's a more culinary you, way. No, I do one that. inch. Moved away. I used to, but what I do now is I use like one inch of water in a fairly size, a good size pan, put the chard in, bring it to a boil, turn it off, let it sit, turn it over. It takes about three minutes. Pull it out. If you want to throw some olive oil and balsamic vinegar, a little salt or pepper, that's fine. But a lot of times I'll just eat it straight. But that's usually with the rest of the meal. Right, right. That's not right. the only and thing you, you eat. Ha- and, and you have these leaves of chard in there whole, or do you cut it down? I just pull them apart. I don't, I don't ever use a knife. I just pull everything off the stem. I pull the leaves apart mm-hmm. you know, into like kind of bite-sized pieces. So you're probably real good at ripping the stem out of a, a leaf of chard so by easy. now. 
It's mm-hmm. so easy. For Ripping. me, it's easier than using a knife and cutting mm-hmm. it down the side of the rib. Yeah, when I, the last time I went to Squirrel, they were breaking shard down by hand as well. It's also, fast. ripping the stem, great metal band name. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so what? And so maybe I'll have to do what you do now. And I didn't even notice that you changed it. But what I do is you get olive oil hot, throw the chard in, let it cook for like thirty seconds, and then you take. You know, like a two tablespoons of water, throw it in, and then immediately hit the lid so it's steaming. Mm-hmm. And then again, in three minutes, it's finished. Mm-hmm. That's a really nice way. But to it do adds it. like a, there's like a little bit of like char, like there's just like a little something more than just boiling it, right? But it's not different, and it's what I remember you teaching me how to do. That's what I used to do, but I used to use kale, different kinds of kale. I didn't as uh, much yeah, use yeah. chard. a lot of Tuscan and dino so kale. So using the – and I use rainbow chard, so you're getting different kinds of chard in there. And that, that's different from Plur. doing a really nice oil saute of really great Beautiful purples and yellows and, and oranges, yes, exactly. all brilliantly colored. Exactly. Mm. True story. Except she doesn't have that olive oil in there. Mom, let's talk green tea. Because <laughs> you know that you've been dropped on this oh, podcast I'm for so your spoiled. addiction. I'm so spoiled. <laughs> it's probably your biggest vice. You don't buy yourself jewelry. You don't spend a lot of money on clothes. Or wine. I, I don't. Mm. I you don't, don't drink, drink that much alcohol. anymore. That's right. 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 But she supports people who have it. And do it responsibly and have a good time. 100%. And a few sips here and there, I love. You're a wild child. You had a cocktail last night. We all know what's I happening. Did. I did. True really? story. It was wonderful. But let's talk about... So that's so green, the world of green tea is a place where you, where you spare no expense. That's where she flexes. Very hard. I like that. Well, in Chinese tradition, green teas are called brain brighteners. So BBs. The, the effect, they, it does have caffeine. Brain brighteners. Brain huh? brighteners. But the effect on the body is not like coffee um, or Coca-Cola. It's more of a all over the body sense of waking up. And so it's like eating a cap versus eating a stem. To put it in mushroom t- terminology, It'd be very close to that. <laughs> but I've more never of a body done, high than I've a heady or high. It's like an test. indica versus a sativa, right, mom? <laughs> exactly. Got it. Got she it. does drops. She knows yeah. what's up. A few yeah, drops we, here we don't and talk there. about the drops yet. A few drops. I but the drops. better the tea, um, the better the high, the better the healthy effect on the body. Mm-hmm. And how it, would you define quality for a green tea? Hand-picked leaves mm-hmm. that are grown in areas of China, and it seems now more in Taiwan, that are not near cement plants, which is really hard to find. Because oh. you don't wash a hand-picked tea leaf. You're not supposed to wash. You're supposed to, when you pour the hot water into your teapot full of beautiful tea leaves, you're supposed to rinse them with a little bit of hot water, pour it out before you steep your leaves for a couple of minutes. So it should be arriving to you unwashed Absolutely. the way that it was plucked from the earth. And organic, meaning no pesticides. But mm. no good tea farm would ever use pesticides. Sure. So, and there's aged and young leaves, right? Yes. Well, but the, but depends on the tea. But only certain kinds of leaves, right? Because oolongs get aged. Is that right? Oolongs are dried. That's how they're aged. Sometimes people will speed up that process by heating them, which... But I have this preference. I have now become pretty much addicted to one particular tea. And that's and Oxycontin. It's called Imperial Green Oolong. And I rely for the last 30 some years on um, 
Imperial Tea Court in Berkeley, San Francisco, because Roy and Grace, the owners of Imperial Tea Court from China, they only take the leaves and sell teas that they know exactly where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And it's getting harder and harder to get sure. the, the good stuff. Right. And more and more expensive. And then? it's more and more expensive. But um, they have all ranges of really fine teas and all ranges of price points. So you, can, she, you can be happy. If I can describe what it's like when she gets a box of tea, <laughs> it's bricked up like Coke. Right, like right. it's vacuum sealed. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you feel like mm-hmm. Scarface opening that tea up. It's wild. <laughs> it's, I mean, my first high in the morning is waking up and knowing that I now get to have my first cup of Imperial Green Oolong for the day. During the summer months when it's warmer, mm. I'll maybe drink a, a more green tea because Imperial Green Oolong is slightly dried. So it is considered an oolong. And the greener teas are better for cold weather. Um, the ones that are, and oolongs are better for uh, colder weather. They warm you up. So mm-hmm. the green teas are better in, in summer. And I'm, in I'm seeing a lot of climates. similarities between red and white wines and sure. then different regions that the wine Absolutely. grapes are grown terroir. in. The terroir. The sure. terroir. All about nature. It's so, really all about nature. Yeah, because like we all will switch from white wine and rosé to red wine in the colder months, or at least I do. Or I'll just stick to whiskey 12 months out of the year. <laughs> doesn't really matter. So then, you, so then one day... And a heavier meal, like a beef or a lamb meal, you'll, use, right. you'll drink a more robust, probably a red robust wine. Mm. Whereas if you're drinking, if you're eating fish or you're going to have a vegetarian meal, you should probably lean towards a white wine. Mm -hmm. You do naturally. Or now rosés, really good rosés available Mm -hmm. now. They can go for either way. You want to sip on? So then one day you wake up and you're like, ooh, it's time for oolong. (laughs) I would like you to go through your ritual. I mean, not really a ritual, but how you... Walk us through your caffeine addiction that you have (laughs) succumbed to so viciously. How you brew the tea and mm-hmm. how you do um, the different um, the different steeps and like the third steep, the fourth steep. Sure. All, just start from the morning when sure. you wake up and how it works. The good thing about really fine teas and, of course, they're expensive, is that throughout the day, as long as you've poured the water off when you've steeped them, you can use them three or four, maybe five times throughout the day. You just and when she says time, she aside. means pots. Mm-hmm. Like literally, like you don't. You don't brew this tea and just dump it out like you would in like uh, in a tea bag. Right, or you just right, toss right. the Liptons in the trash when it's done. But I love Lipton's tea. Not knocking. Oh no, there's time for but, Lipton's tea for sure. But I mean, the leaves stay in the pot all day long, and she continuously makes right. hot water the leaves every with no four water hours on when she them. wants tea. Right. And so, exactly. like, a, like a damn just, fiend. So, just for to me, clarify, the, my favorite pour is the second pour, and I I can't really explain why because mm. I'm not a tea. Aficionado, I just love really fine teas. Well, I've been drinking them a long time, but part of, on, part of the joy of being a tea drinker of really fine teas is the ritual of it. Sure. And I have a favorite cup. Tie off or die off, I get it. Mm-hmm. Favorite cup, favorite teapot, yeah, and different teapots for different kinds of tea. Like a green tea or a green oolong, you should always use a porcelain teapot. Mm. Always. Really important. Nice. When you get into the heavier oolong teas or the 
<laughs> or black teas, you know, mm. like really good Indian or English black teas. You can use a crock, anything out of, um, you know, crockery. It doesn't really matter. You can matter. even use, step down to like a Heath Ceramics or something like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> step down. The times are tough. Come but on, bud. But a teapot, you want to have those holes right at the beginning of the spout as opposed to having so that you're not so that you're filtering your tea it's filtering your tea leaves for you in the pot because mm. if you have to bring out a stainless steel strainer mm-hmm. it's just kind of not part of the right way to do it oh it's going to change the yeah. taste hitting it that metal a little bit change the taste definitely <clears throat> so that's why you never use a metal teapot that's why and glass teapots fine too oh. teapot you're fine to boil the water in a stainless steel Yes, absolutely. Like, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you pour the water. Some say the temperature should be a certain thing. I, I have a sense already of how hot. I tend to use a slightly hotter water than what maybe a tea salon would recommend. But okay. it's what, what you temperature? learn over time. So like you're able to... 190 is around what they usually recommend, mm-hmm. especially for a green or a green oolong. Mm-hmm. And the real key is how long you leave the water on. You should never, when you pour, even if you're on your fourth or fifth time of brewing these leaves, mm-hmm. you never leave the water on the leaves longer than two minutes mm. because it starts to get bitter. Right, right, right. And the whole joy of these teas is they shouldn't be bitter. The green teas tend to be a little more bitter, but that's, again, that's about bitter being good for you in hot, when it's hot outside, when mm-hmm. it's in hot weather. When it's hot. Yeah, when it's hot. Like, so it's, it's, and it's not just the taste of the tea. It should also be the fragrance and how it smells. Really fine teas, Chinese teas, have a very specific fragrance to them. My mm. mom's so articulate and well-pronunciated. Wow. Pronunciated? Is that a word? That's because I drink pronounced. Tea. That's because she's <laughs> sipping. Uh, she's sipping, sipping Imperial Oolong. Imperial and we're Green on Oolong. our second glass of wine. No, so is it pronounced or pronunciated? How, what, You're very good at pronunciations. Um, I, I will say that. Excellent pronunciation. Excellent pronunciation, <laughs> Mom. There we go. Thank I just you. never. I mean, you know, you. I'm used to her, but she's never been on a podcast. Never had a mic in her face, and she's killing the game. She is. I mean, Mom, I'm, I'm so well, proud as long of as you. You ask me questions, or oh. we talk about something I have some idea about. I'm yeah. cool. By the way, <laughs> listeners, we had to spend the last two hours getting her to do this. She was like, no, not going to do it. Nope. Nope. But they were consistent. She's handling it like a, like a pro. But she loves Jason Thank like you. another son. So oh, yeah. basically, oh, yeah. Jason and just Karen, went real strong and was I like, I want you to know I love your son. Oh, <laughs> he's the guys. best. And so is mine. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's jealous, do Andre. like he's second best. Let's do second best. <laughs> well, thank you. What a oh, lovely yeah. podcast. Oh, I love the energy coming that's right here for so far. Sure. You've known Jason, pro- I mean, you probably met him a year after I did. So you're, we're going on. Long time. Seven, 15 years? 17 years? Almost. 2002? 2003? It's been Something a joy. Like mm, what a ride it's been. It's been a joy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And also. Um, so I guess we can talk about some other things on the docket. Yeah. The three maybe, of us had, well, but wait, hold on. What Any I've, closing uh, oh, green sorry, tea sorry, statements, sorry. mom? Actually, you want to sign off I with something? I have one closing statement I would love to make. And this has to, this comes from Chinese medicine, which obviously goes back a long time. My mom's a licensed acupuncturist, everybody. And this is about food. She'll poke you. This is about food. And oh, yeah, the point some. of food is... It's, you're supposed to eat really good food because it creates intelligent choices as opposed to just entertainment or culinary delight. In the tradition of Chinese medicine, food is what makes 
people smarter, happier, um, more conscious, more everything that that means. So it's not just about eating good food to look good, to have a great body, to, um, to be cool. It's about really making sure that you can be as intelligent as you can. And it's about choices about your whole life. It's not just about the choices in the moment, too. And that's the belief, and I think it's really important. In, in the Chinese medical system, food is considered part of the most important medicine that you can take. And it changes your body. If you change your diet and your focus is not about just losing weight, it's about really healthy choices, which means a variety of everything. And it means not overeating. I mean, that term portion control, I know, is like kind of a joke, but it's real. It's mm -hmm. really helpful. So that you don't have to go around denying yourself anything. You can eat whatever you want. You just have to change it up and make sure that 30% of your diet is cooked vegetables, not just raw. 30% um, is whole grains, uh, you know, all kinds of really good whole grains. And then the rest of your diet is everything else, fruits. Um, proteins, seeds and nuts, and everything else, whatever that is that you choose to have. Yo, is this a TED Talk or what, everybody? <laughs> it's, it's weird, right? Like the, uh, the, the first five seconds of you saying that, that whole paragraph, I felt, I felt like a, a, a tingle through my body. <laughs> Before I even started dropping the real That's heat my mom's us. effect. I, f I felt a, a like a Is weird body high sensation. <laughs> it's incredibly amazing, but you had that effect on everybody. I think it was, it was sort of it was it was my body letting me know to pay extra special attention to what it is that you're saying at that. Well, one moment. of the things I've always loved about listening to your podcast is you always address that. The two of you, the three of you, whoever you know with. So it's you've always included that um, besides mm -hmm. your culinary adventures and your trips into the wonderland, especially of what's it's going on story. in LA we do like and, to eat and the food. And and you go into the lives of the people who are doing the work, and you bring people on to explain the reality of mm -hmm. having restaurants and trying to create really good um, you mm -hmm. know, food options as a as a person going out and deciding where they want to eat out. But when you're cooking at home, which is where the really healthy thing should happen so that you mm -hmm. can go out, go anywhere, and not worry about that food having any harmful effect, even if you overeat at that restaurant or you drink a little too much. No problem. That's the fun part. Right. But it's not okay to do that every day without being really mindful of changing it up. And, and mm. that's what you, the two of you have always done. It's like, I know you. You'll do these incredible the meals. Part, yes. You'll go to these amazing restaurants. It's and true. then for three days, you know, you'll do these really super healthy smoothies, um, steamed veggies, um, really great salads, whole grains. You'll mm -hmm. make your that's own true. beans. You'll do everything from scratch. Mm -hmm. And you enjoy it. You really enjoy it. So it's, it's the balance, finding the balance in all of that. But food is so important. And I also, and I think it's, it's definitely, I think, stated in what you, what you just said. But, and I, I'd say this probably every podcast and just stop. But about the socioeconomic conditions of eating and what you're describing, when you say, like, eating good food is not about going to expensive restaurants. She's talking about the char that she buys in a bunch is three bunches for four dollars so mm -hmm. it's it's being about it's about being conscious about what you're eating what you're buying and it doesn't take yes. it doesn't take money to eat the way she's describing it's more about being conscious aware and present 
Mm -hmm. Farm so, to table, sourcing, I mean, organic, the support of people like you and so many people in, in this area of really supporting their farmers and making sure that, that you can get the best quality produce and beans and animal flesh that you can find and do it consciously animal and feel flesh, good about it. Animal flesh, also sick metal band name. Crisis. <laughs> No, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in you really can eat whatever you want as long as the quality of what you're putting in your body is, is high. Right. You're not having too much of it. Right. You're getting exercise. You're moving around. That's all you need. Exactly. I mean, the problem is most people in this country now think that, you know, the path to happiness is that you can go out to some great restaurant every single day and eat all the sugar, eat all the fat, eat all the, drink all the wine, whatever you want to, when mm -hmm. it's supposed to be a special occasion. Right. It's supposed to be a celebration. And it's a treat. A treat, exactly. And that's not every day. No. That's, you know, it if doesn't mean every as day, much if yeah. it's every day. And that yeah. is, that's just human, that's natural, that's human behavior. I agree with all of this. So, Jill. So be it. Mom, you're the best. Thank no. you. Thank you for thank for coming you. in and that giving us. That was really fun, and now I'm gonna go. No, 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 no. Now it's I'm gonna go over to Alimento. She doesn't have to eat until seven. You leaving? Well, she needs to leave soon. I need to leave soon. Yeah, yeah. I do. We'll and again, it. shout out to Alimento yeah. in Silver Lake because oh, I love that. Are you gonna restaurant. go get the the tortellini and brodo? I'm definitely gonna get the pate. Yeah, the chicken liver pate. Yes. yes. Yeah, when, yeah, that's when, my single favorite thing there. I love everything there, I but like that's one thing I won't it. ever miss. Yes, for sure. Yeah, why well, I'm getting flashbacks to when we had Zach from Alimento on the podcast. Yes, and he was not. And, he was not having it. <laughs> and the he whole, was not forthcoming with the. Uh, no. no, I remember that. And you know what? We hit yes, him like I'm going to Alimento to get it. Mm -hmm. We hit him like four <laughs> times, and he was like, "Nope." Like, how about now? Nope. Yeah. Was, <laughs> well, oh. tell us now. <laughs> nope. I got some. I got some info out of it's him. True. It's and true. Like, and, all, and off mic, I would bug him about it here yeah. and there. And the special treat is going to Alimento to have theirs. Mm -hmm. You know what? Yeah, if you can make it for yourself, it becomes less special. Granted, it, although it would be a flex if we could really pull it, it off. It would be good. awesome if you could. Yeah, do it. but you know, making making chicken liver pate at home it's it's a lot of work it's a lot of work oh really tell me did you ever do it jason <laughs> did we make 35 pounds of it for a pop-up so crazy you know it, it takes a little bit of the luster off of that diamond oh. um, goodbye all right. thank you joe thank you what a pleasure and, love uh, you mom where can people podcast where can people find, find you, you on online? social media um, what's your twitter what's your instagram what's your i think it's genetic i do no social media. oh <laughs> bang 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 just kidding she's got snapchat <laughs> all right we are back andre conoparo's mom jill has left the building to go eat food instead of us doing that because she's a boss like that she's smarter Stronger, faster. Truly a better. treasure, that woman, man. Good job. I'm a fan. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Did a lot of work with her. I mean, the way you media trained her and groomed her over the last six months is, I mean, wow. Well, I mean, it's not my first waterboard, but she's good. She's good now. She still has night terrors, but she's good. <laughs> night terrors. Um, all right, well, let's, let's get... Um, we have... We we we've we've covered half of half of an hour of podcasting, so we can cram it in with our uh, our regular hijinks now. 
we haven't potted in a little while. We took a Christmas break, holiday, New Year's break. It took us like five minutes to figure out that we didn't do one, too. But that's just the holidays. Mm-hmm. But also, every podcast takes the, the holiday season off. We're not like Agreed. all those other dumb podcasts where we'll play uh, an episode earlier in the year. But wait, did, but didn't we say the exact same thing? Like, yeah, we did about Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh-huh. okay. all right, fair. Yeah, we're not like those other Look, podcasts. We're not like those losers that get one out every week. We don't do that, guy. We do try. We do. No, try. but I mean, even This American Life is playing reruns during that week. Well, every fourth stupid ass This American Life. You every suck. like every third to fourth This American Life is usually an, an old one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes a lot of production for them. We should not be comparing ourselves to This American Life, by the way. I mean, there are only real competition at this point. Is there like a bad sports podcast we can compare ourselves to that takes breaks? Because that seems more appropriate. You know, people people are out here in the streets. We're we're making some slow but steady moves. All right. Um. Yeah. You know, we we're 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 working the iTunes. Mm-hmm. We're getting into the homes and hearts of America and beyond. So let's get let's get on to our docket for Christmas. You gave me a set of Mac knives, Japanese steel. Yeah, you're like my best friend. We got, uh, thank you. I got the Mac, eight inch, seven inch. It's chef's like a knife. weird. It's a weird one. I don't it's know why. A bit I think it's one. seven and a half. It's or a something. sub like, snub nose chef's yeah, knife. Yeah. We'll say that. Yeah, yeah. It's with safe. Uh, with the baby paring knife, and I'm nursing a cut on my finger <laughs> because it may be the sharpest knife. It's just it's it's it's, a, it's kind of a weird kind of sharpness. So the brand is called Mac M A C M A C. And it's a Japanese brand. Yep. The price is not that crazy high for a Japanese No, steel. it was like $4,000 for your set. <laughs> you bought me a 4000 I mean, which is low for a, like a like, nice Japanese It's a knife. starter set if you have a friend that... Sure. Yeah. But they're... It, no, it's, it's very reasonably priced. I, but, I would say just a little bit under Shun and Global, but getting mm. in that range. But they're also lifetime knives. But it's one of those... Or yeah. ish, ish, lifetime-ish. I mean, you may not give this to your grandkid, but you probably could. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it's, it's a 10, 15-year knife if you get it actually... If you take good care of her. Yeah, if you take it down to Ross Cutler or have somebody grind it once a year. But it's one of those, one of those knives or brands of things where... They they give you a, a nice affordable value, and they put the money where it counts, and then they sort of you know the packaging is not flashy, Mm-mm. the branding is not flashy. It's very it's a black box, very with bare the, bones, with the stamped Japanese symbol that yeah. I don't know, but, but the, probably says Mac. And the and the blade, it's not like a big thick one. It's kind of like it's just straight to the point. But it's sharpened on both sides, so it's a Japanese knife, but it's sharpened like a European knife. Mm-hmm. Which I prefer. I like that. I don't really like a Japanese style, like one side cut yeah. or one side sharp. I'm sure we would be okay with that if we were slicing bluefin. Yeah, if we were super sick. <laughs> but but this knife is just so... It's like too sharp, kind of. Well, you, you, can, you can dull it down. You start, I, mean, I'll dull, I mean, every knife when you first get one is sharp as hell, but... Just start opening letters with it for a little while, and you'll be fine. <laughs> I don't want to, um, but I, it, it kind of feels like, you know, like I, I've I've got the you know a regular chef's knife, and I'll use it. Mm-hmm. You know how it feels. You you get used to the weight of it. Mm-hmm. And this one it's is a very light knife. Yeah, and this one's sort of like you're you're taking the top off nice. off the convertible, and you just got some nitrous in the in the Porsche. It's definitely got an you, underlight kit, and you yeah, and it, it's it takes a little while to get used to how. 
how it operates, fast and loose. Well, it's interesting. In so a fun way. I think this is a personal observation about my knife collection, but I, I don't like buying a set of all the same knives. Mm-hmm. I like, and I don't mean just like, oh, I want a different kind of knife or a different job. I think everybody should want that, but I just mean like, if you, so our favorite for years and years, and maybe still close to my heart, is that global mm-hmm. eight inch chef's knife, right? But, and I love that handle, but I also like different handles. I like having different knives with different feels and different handles. And I don't want, I love that global knife. It might be like the first, it's like, you know, your first great record. That will always it's be very near mm-hmm. and dear to my heart. It's the AR-15 of your knife collection. For sure. The it daily round, driver. It rounds it all out. But to me, it's like I don't want a full set of globals because I like having different handles and just to have, like, I'll randomly choose. I have four chef's knives of the same length, basically. Mm-hmm. And just one night I'll grab this one and one night I'll grab that one. And they're all equally sharp usually because they're all getting ground and, and sharper at the same time. But, you know, variety is the spice of life. I get it. I don't just like Asian girls. I like <laughs> variety is the spice. Of okay, life. there you go. Mix it up. Okay, get you know, and and certain certain knives call for certain jobs and vice versa. And I really am so happy to hear that you like those knives. I was very excited to get them for you. Yeah, man. I mean, Jason for my birthday got me my maybe my new favorite T-shirt in the T-shirt collection, a vintage Metallica shirt with the Injustice for All logo that says local crew on it local crew which is a mystery and it makes me very excited that we don't really know the pedigree and we can invent any story we want about it mm-hmm. yeah i mean i'm assuming the local crew from the and justice for all tour that's my fingers crossed that that's what's going on yeah and like you know whoever was in spokane that weekend and was mm-hmm. down to work for a case of beer mm. they had you to get a local crew shirt you got to move the half five bucks an hour marshall stacks and some uh some yinling some yinling uh, some bottles. Mm-hmm. Some long necks. We can only, only hope. Um, <clears throat> over Christmas, um, podcast fan Do, mm. who, if you Shout remember, a, f- a few months ago, Good gravy. we had an episode where literally the entire episode was just us answering a barrage of maniac questions that she sent me. You know, probably like 15 questions where it's just her... Going crazy with food questions. And but asking relevant, non-ironic, goofy questions. Yeah. She had, like, great questions. They were, Yeah, they weren't dumb questions, but they were, like... There was know, a lot. There was a lot. It was a comprehensive collection of... A challenge. But that's what we needed. We, you know, the podcast. It was great. It's an hour-long podcast. But she, for the last few years, she's been very nice enough to welcome me over to her house for dinner parties, holiday events, blah, blah, blah. And she does an annual Christmas Eve dinner where she goes crazy and and does all that stuff. Last year she did like a <clears throat> a whole small suckling pig that was kind of done Chinese style with all the boughs and stuff like that, and that was crazy. But this year she uh, she had everyone over. She and you know had a strange combi- strange but very fun combination of the Jewish latke served alongside a porchetta. I mean, I think that's very playful as long as... Which is very playful. I, I think I really liked it. I thought it was great. Yeah, so you have the most Jewish food, a latka. Sure, and, and the, the most non-Jewish food of all time. the least Jewish food Hawk. of all time, just pork wrapped in pork. 
That was so good. I think she got it from McCall's, too, right? She got it from McCall's. Yeah, incredible. Um, so she got a whole 14-pound porchetta, which is basically, you know, from, from the rooter to the tutor, the entire... It's a loin that gets... I mean, I'm not sure how... I mean, there's variations of it, but mm-hmm. normally it's a loin that's then uh, kind of covered in... Um, aromatics, you know, like thyme and oregano and basil or anything else you want to do, and then some crushed garlic. And then mm-hmm. that gets wrapped in a belly and then tied. Yeah, so you get the whole pork belly where it's just kind of like a rectangle of meat where it's just skin and fat and maybe like a little bit of actual protein. And then you kind of make a, a little paste of garlic, olive oil, maybe lemon zest, rosemary, thyme, mm-hmm. chili flakes, salt, pepper, all that stuff. And then the pork loin goes in the middle. You roll it up, tie it off with string. Tie off or die off, baby. Tie off or die off. And then all that fat cooks the inside oh, nice and slowly. Bastes so it. So good. And it's it's well known as a Italian delicacy for. I mean, last I don't. I mean, we years, should maybe. we could Google it, but there is an area of Italy that kind of like is you know in that way that all great Italian dishes have basically one kind of region that that's what they do mm-hmm. all the time. Like I've never experienced it. Um, and I have been to Italy a few times, but there's, I mean the way here, like basically like, like soggy water dogs in New York, mm-hmm. there's a region in Italy that basically just has street vendors that do nothing but sell porchetta. Yeah. 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 And it's something there, somewhere there, you can Google it, but she, um, she did it a little bit of a different way. Normally, you would just kind of roast that off in the oven for a few hours, and it'll slowly cook everything up, and then you slice it down into giant medallions. But she she sous vide the whole thing. She broke it up into two halves. Which is brilliant. Which is smart and also essential if you're going to do that. And then sous vide them for God knows how long, which, will, which is pretty crazy, sous vide an entire porchetta. And then pulled that out and had a giant Dutch oven filled with oil and then deep fried the entire porchetta afterwards. Risk. Which is a... Respect with a capital R and three T's at the end. Which is a very bossy move. I mean, like, we've talked about this before where just just the act of deep frying a couple egg rolls at your house is kind of like a daunting task that you would rather just not do. It's brutal. It's frying you know, in a house is brutal. It, you, no matter how careful you are, anything within a 10-foot radius will have a thin layer of oil on it. Yes. And it's just, you know, and even if it's not, even if you're not deep frying, even if you're just frying, like, I have shelves right above my stove and I never deep fry in my house, but I'll saute things in oil all the time. And it still coats, and it's just it's just there. It's a layer. The oil gets weaponized in the air like a napalm, and <laughs> it's on there. It's a dirty weapon. It's, it's definitely dirty, it's a dirty bomb. It's is a what dirty it is. bomb for sure. Um, and all of that, ha- and I, I assume it's the first time she ever did that, and it came out really well. I would. I mean, I not that I have a place to even say like, oh, I would have done that different. Like, I'm not. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. What you have I would no have. frame of reference to offer any. Comment. I've made a porchetta before, mm-hmm. but just in the sense that, like I would never tell somebody how to do something, and that like I'm just a home cook, whatever. Right, right. But I have no advice for her because yeah. that thing was 
perfect. It yeah, nobody's ever. Yeah, I mean, not many people have been like you know. Of all the times I've uh, sous vide a whole porchetta and then deep fried the entire thing, I would have. Well, I just roasted you, it when I made. It, I just roasted it. Should have done three fifty instead of three seventy five. <laughs> I, I mean, so I didn't even do what she did, and what she did was outstanding. It was tight, and then like a week later, I had some. I took some to go, and my brother just put it in the oven. And he was like, "Oh, that was the best pork I've ever eaten in my life." Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, it's incredible. And thanks, dude. And porchetta served with latka, latki. Mm-hmm. Look, New Year's Eve's a cheat day, baby. Yeah, but it, but it was a great pairing of the porchetta, latke, applesauce, and sour cream. Mm-hmm. Well done. Really well done. It all danced. It all danced together. And there was, uh, you know, there was a crock pot full of apple cider that you could then mix with various alcohols. You were nice enough to bring over a forty-year-old bottle of port that went down better than any codeine syrup I've ever sipped. But you mix it with Sprite, so that's like what—that's what highlights the whole thing. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, not a it's monster. A, it's a port. <laughs> it's a port. Yeah, it was like a Warren's eighty-five. I think, right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, or, I guess a 30-year-old. Or, or Warren's 80 or something. Yeah, it was great. It was really nice. I had been saving that bottle for like three years. Um, it was a gift. And I was like, ah, you know, I didn't want to make food, one, because, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not your place. Not my place at all. And yeah, when somebody... Like, when what somebody... are you supposed to do when you hear the menu of somebody's house? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so do you want like a kale salad? I could do a kale <laughs> salad, some cranberries, and some sunflower seeds on top. What do you think? <laughs> Um, so I was like, ah, oh, what what can I do? Because I wanted, also wanted, you know, it's like the Christmas season, so you kind of want to bring something that's, you know, that people are going to enjoy, but also like a gift where it's like, oh, I spent a little money or it's special and I saved it or whatever. So it's kind of like the combination of like something we can all enjoy, something that I think pairs the menu well, dessert wine at the <clears> end of a giant heavy meal like that was wonderful. And, also, and conveys how grateful you are to yeah, be invited like, to a, a special thank night. Thank you. Can I come back sometime, please? Mm-hmm. No, it was nice. It was really nice. It was just such a fun, really, really enjoyable way to get ready for Christmas. It's Christmas like, Eve, I think. I th- I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get in the Christmas spirit. Like I'm, gear- I'm getting geared up. I don't know. It's if, just around the corner. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, like fifty weeks away. It's gonna sneak up. Fifty-one on you. weeks away. I feel like I already started shopping. So. It's cre- <laughs> Um, but I, f- <laughs> I feel, I feel like um, Christmas Eve sometimes overlooked, and maybe I'm totally wrong. But mm. I feel like Christmas Eve sometimes can be better than Christmas Day in a way. Well, that's what happens when you turn into an adult who likes alcohol. Is Christmas Eve is suddenly like, oh, this is cool. yeah. When you're a kid, Christmas morning, it's no, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Understood. Christmas mm. Day will never be replaced by anything for children, but. Yeah, I unless you're one of those families who opens presents on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve's fun. I like Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is fun. <clears throat> I'm down. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, waking up on waking up Christmas Day with uh, a a pork and wine hangover did send me into a little bit of an anxiety spiral. Mm, I'm listening. But I was able to pull out. It's kind of like I shouldn't like it reminded me of waking up Christmas morning as a child and just like, ah! yeah, like best day of your life. Holy shit, this is amazing! And then waking up with like a pork hangover and a eggnog, thirty year old port, 
uh, apple cider and whiskey hangover. Oh, it was so much fun. Where though. you're just God like, oh, I look, sh- I went in. I'm I'm feeling very glutinous. But I think again, it's like where where do you have those times? It's like when you wake up hungover after like what happened last night. I don't know. So I went over to a friend's house and there's an NBA game I didn't care about. And mm-hmm, somebody brought mm-hmm. over like this whiskey and then I had too much. And because I had too much, then I had some more. And now I'm just like foggy in the morning as mm-hmm. opposed to like, what happened last night? Oh, yeah, I had an incredible meal with friends and we played games sure. for like three hours and we ate and drank all this good stuff. You're like, yeah, this is worth it. This is good. We listened to Mariah Carey Spotify. This is a, this is a headache well deserved. Amen to that. Way to find the uh, silver lining. I like. I like. Um, but yeah, thank you to do. Well done for that. Um, also, this Christmas season, I learned that you can buy Langer's golf balls on Langer's website. <laughs> Just a little something to use for next year if you're a gift giver. You had a friend that, <coughs> excuse me, you had a friend who had a really great shirt or a hat that brought you to Langer's website, right? Yeah, yeah you can get a, a dad hat, as if it's often called now, which is just like a standard fitted baseball cap where it has a Langer's logo on the back. And then on the front and then the back, it'll say, it'll just say the words hot pastrami in quotes, or there's one that just says number 19. I like the number 19. Sure. Both are great. And then I, I dug a little bit deeper and then I saw you can get Titleist professional golf balls with the Langer's logo printed on them, which is a good flex for all of your Jewish bros out there. You got really deep into the bowels of the Langer's merch, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, what Jewish jelly doesn't have good merch game? I feel like every Jewish jelly has like a, a nice T-shirt. Fel- not, not a Jewish jelly, but Philippe's has got great shirts, too. Mm-hmm. Big fan of the Philippe's merch. Something, something is interesting about that cross-section of a, a classic restaurant and like a well-done, subtle, timeless t-shirt. Good on you, I say. It's we'll, we'll do a think piece on it. Yeah, it's like it's interesting, though. It's classic places sometimes you'll go to, like Brent's Deli doesn't have my favorite shirt. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why not? <laughs> like, why? how did you miss this? Like, why are you trying to make this not what you are, which is like a classic timeless like beautiful like uh what do you call it when you put something away you bury it for a time it's like Mm -hmm. you're a time capsule in the best possible way Mm -hmm. and why don't you just reflect that as opposed to well let's do a modern shirt send over a pitch deck yeah i could maybe we can uh secure the brent's deli account uh also on the christmas time my mom this year due to my dedication to deviled eggs bought a it's sort of like a caulking gun it's so cool <laughs> it's a, it's 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 literally a caulking gun and i think it's mainly meant for frosting mm-hmm. like frosting desserts and so it's a caulking gun and at the end you can there's like a handful of different tips where you can get like a whatever a star pattern or like mm-hmm. a, a felt tip pattern or whatever all the all those little designs Whatever brand of whimsy strikes you that day while you're making the deviled eggs. Yeah, but then, but instead of filling it up with frosting and doing a little cupcake thing, I I filled it up with a mix, a, a deviled egg mixture, and and got to squirting on the yolk. It sounds like the most fun way to do that, as opposed to trying to deal with a shitty Ziploc that you cut the end off, and you're just like, God damn it! I know. And even even with a, uh, I was I was kind of complaining to my mom. I was like, you need to step up your ziploc bag game because mm. every time i do it the bag will rupture and a, and a hole will pop out 
which I then, so then it sort of looks like a cow's udder with two yolk sacs squirting out of it, and it's not good. And then my mom was like, you know, I got the, I got the fire Ziploc, real stuff. Oh, you like, want the t-shirt gun? Here you go. <laughs> this is for you. She was like, no, I got the real stuff. I'm not doing, I'm not doing like the basic, basic ass Ziploc. I got the real stuff. It's just, you know. I'm tired they, they of your bitching, Jason. I'm tired of your bitching, Jason. <laughs> she, uh. The Ziploc can't handle the yolk squeeze is what I'm saying. So we had to step up to the caulking gun, and it's fun. It, I mean, that, that's the whole point. It's like a lot of the things in the kitchen, you can get away with doing, you know, bootlegging anything. Mm. But when you have the right tool for the job, it becomes more fun. Look, you mm-hmm. can go to anybody's house and pretty much use any dull knife, and it will suck. But at the end of the day, you'll have dinner, right? Mm-hmm. But when you have a nice knife, it's a lot mm. more fun. It's a pleasure. But it can, you, that you have to ride that fine line of like, do I have too much stuff everywhere? Because I have like mm-hmm. the one thing that I use for one thing once a year. You got to kind of, right. you know, but the, the caulking gun you're talking about, I mean, like you said, frosting, you know, deviled eggs. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do with a little fun tool like that. Sure. Fill it up with Vegemite. Go straight into the mouth. And kidnap Zach Malamento, get his recipe, and then start caulking some real nice chicken liver mousse. Ooh. <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> Do some pen- uh, some pentagram chicken liver mousse plates. It's a pate gun. Yeah. Plow, plow. Oh, it's not mousse. It's pate. Yeah, whatever. Fine. No, it is a mousse. Fair correction. Fair correction. Either way. Eh. Um, <clears throat> the, the famed and beloved Suke Men style ramen restaurant Sujita opened up at the Americana. We went which there is a together. mall near us in Glendale if you've never been. I think... I think the destination that the Americana has come as far as food goes. I mean, like, it, like destination's not totally accurate because it's, I don't know. I mean, the the restaurants that are there, the are, Asians are moving in. They're moving in, but they're like so Jitsa and like Din Tai Fung. Like you can go to San Gabriel Valley or you can go to Satel and like you can go there. So it's not the only place to get it. But the idea that you can bang out so much stuff like between. The Glendale Galleria and the Americana, like, oh, I need to go to an Apple store. Oh, I need to get shoes from Foot Locker. I need to do whatever it is. Uniqlo. Like, I need a jogger pant from Uniqlo. So you can do all that stuff and then also eat at Din Tai Fung? Mm-hmm. Or just, uh, like, it's, it's crazy how awesome that is. Mm-hmm. And it's not my favorite movie theater, the Pacific 18, but it's not the worst. No. And they've always got something playing. It's I just mean, fun. I feel like when the Americana first opened, I was just like, ugh. Another, like another Grove, and I was like, "This is way better than the Grove." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with all of that. Just saying, like it's crazy. There's nothing at the Grove that's anywhere near as good as what they, food-wise, in my opinion, that they have at the Americana, which is shocking because it's in Glendale as opposed to the center of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Glendale. It's time to take a second look at Glendale Cheesecake Factory. Let's get a four thousand calorie jambalaya pasta, y'all. It's my birthday. The Americana is bookended by a Cheesecake Factory. Um, <clears throat> I made the last episode we were talking about making, we were talking about vodka sauce. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, it would be funny to make a lasagna that's pink. Uh, it was pink. And I did do that. <laughs> you succeeded, sir. I did do that, but it wasn't a good idea. I think it tasted good. Mm-hmm. I ate it. You brought me over some. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Okay. But, I mean, it's one of those things where you and I both know you've made a better lasagna before. Oh, but yeah. this was very edible. This would be like, oh, this is good. 
<laughs> yeah. It was it was an interesting experiment. I think it looked incredible. Yeah, uh, making pink lasagna noodles is was a fun experiment. It took me a little while to figure out how to do it. What were the hurdles or what were the missteps? Well, the, the hurdle is like like it just seems easy like you just add red food coloring when you're making the pasta and then That's you, what I would have assumed. That's just, if I had to do if I was going to if I was asked to do what you're describing right now, mm-hmm. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, a little red dye number five. like a little but the, bit." But then so it's when, pink. but when, but how do you add it in? No idea. That's the problem. Because you made fresh pasta noodles. Yeah. So I would. So when I make pasta noodles, you do the flour on the deck, mm-hmm. and then you build a little res- reservoir, like right? A little well. Yep. And then you start cracking yolks, and you start kind of like, you start blending them like with a fork. Or a whisk, mm-hmm. and slowly the put the eggs in the middle starts, of your yeah, flour yeah. crater, and then it slowly incorporates all in. So if I was going to try and do that, and I don't know, this might you might be like, yeah, that was not how it would work. But I would whisk the eggs before and not in the flour reservoir with the pink, and then that would give me a liquid to make an even coloring. But I don't know how that would affect the pasta or the whole process. So you're basically pouring uncooked scrambled eggs into that flour well but it's mixed really well with the dye and then that's how i would that's what i did try it and that's what you did that's what i did it but, worked, but it didn't work well or i thought it worked well well the, the problem is you're saying it didn't work well no it did work well eventually once i figured it out but when you're you with 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 food coloring which is something that i've never you should really never use i don't think i've ever used it outside of making christmas cookies like when i was a kid so i have no reference yeah. for using so, food coloring so your your first instinct is to go you can always add more you can never take it away 100% so you're kind of just like one drop at a time and the problem is when you so i whisked the eggs together added the red food coloring which then looks frightening like like adding red food coloring, like just period eggs. Like you just got like looked, eight it, period eggs. It was very placentia esque. All right, um, but the the then you also have to factor in you're going to be adding these eggs to flour, which will then lighten it. So then you're trying to figure out the ratio of how red this mixture of eggs should be, or how pink it should be versus the flour yeah, that it gets added to. Because you're diluting with the flour that's going to tame down the color, and yeah. so you probably want it really bright red. In the so, yolks, yeah, and then the flour is going to so kill that was, and turn it, it pink. Was, it was brick red, just firehouse it, red blood. Yeah, firehouse red eggs <laughs> whisked together and then poured in and and slowly incorporated with the flour, and then it it came out with like a pretty red dough. But then by the time it rested, rolled out and boiled, then it turned. A dark pink, and then by the time that dark pink was boiled, then it oh my god, a nice boiling pink. boiling the noodles probably kills the color too. Boiling the noodles lightens it. Oh, this is a f- yeah. You really gotta. Did so, you do it? Did you do it once and nail it? No, I, I, it took me twice, two times, two times. Mm. Oh yeah, because that because <clears throat> the the noodles gonna absorb so much water that's just gonna further dilute the color, right? Yeah, but the problem is once you make a perfectly pink lasagna noodle it looks exactly like lunch meat ham it just it looks did like have a, that vibe it just looks like a sheet of rolled out lunch meat ham like cafeteria school ham which is one of the least appetizing your favorite oh wait sorry wait what <laughs> it just looked i mean it looked 
I, I sent a picture to our friend Dan, and he was like, "Oh, that looks like wearable skin." And then it just it just looks like industrial kind of industrial quality ham sheets that were rolled out on like some weird machinery. So I I like the idea, but I was happy with the pink sauce that I made, mm-hmm. and I will gladly mix that in with some pasta and just eat that like a normal human. To I mean to kind of contextualize your lasagna as far <laughs> as the taste wise. If some random person, like say a neighbor that just moved in, was like, "Hey, I made lasagna. Here's this." They given it to me, and I reheated it and ate it. I'd be like, "Oh, this is good." Mm-hmm. But I just know you too well, and I've eaten too many meals with you, and we've made a lot of lasagnas together that I know you've done better. Oh, yeah. But it was in no way a failure. It was very good. I mean, it was good. It, it was, was very good. like a little salad on the side and a glass of wine would have been a nice dinner. Sure, sure, been sure. Been very happy with it. Mm-hmm. But I think it it'll be better off using a. In a pasta application, and then it was—it was also vegetarian, right? It was not. It was not. Was was there bacon in it? There was a little bit of bacon in there. I didn't get that. I kind of thought it was vegetarian. That's not good either. Well, Um, no, not what I'm saying. (laughs) Like, but but I guess the point more is like it wasn't layers of sausage that can really help. Right. Because there's fennel seed in it. Yeah, yeah, it's like a couple strips in the whole thing. There wasn't like you know. I like a meat lasagna. I'm not a huge fan of a vegetarian lasagna unless it's. I mean, you have to really know what to do to make a good vegetarian lasagna. I used to make those vegan lasagnas that took five hours. They but they were good. They're very good. And, it, and, and last point on the pink sauce, which was interesting. I, I had breakfast um, yesterday with, with Ari from Alma. And I thought you were going to say Angeline. <laughs> with, uh, with Hollywood's Angeline. Uh, Ari from Alma and Flynn... Cooking with dining with Flynn, he's like a a young teenage chef phenom guy. Must be nice. It was nice. We went to Destroyer and just you know had a fun funny time at Destroyer. Um, but I, I asked both of them, "What's your favorite pasta of the year in LA?" And they both said the John and Vinny's fusilli with vodka sauce and i was like are you fucking serious <laughs> so vodka no sauce, way isn't that crazy so vodka sauce is bubbling and apparently i need to go back to john and Vinny's and eat there because i went there one time and it was fine but i wasn't I it's wasn't, funny i've never been dying. mostly because you thought it was so fine it was so it was what good else? Like, it was totally it was like good but else? i was like oh, but it's yeah. a scene and it's it's not cheap it's mm-hmm. not expensive but it's not cheap mm-hmm. and to me i'm just like i'm not gonna drive to fairfax for something that's okay right. or, or not even okay you're saying it's better than okay but like mm-hmm. i'm not gonna drive to fairfax to eat because i don't like going past western mm-hmm. we all know that mm-hmm. um to eat something that's just like yeah it's pretty good meatballs right and i'm just like yeah that's not that's not what I'm gonna. That's not a fish on. That's not a hook. <laughs> but those two guys saying that means I want this week. I want to go there with you. Crazy, and we should huh? both order that. Hmm. So vodka sauce is having a moment, I guess. <clears throat> I don't. But also, the my understanding of the concept of John and Vinny is like vodka sauce is the perfect, the perfect pasta to have on that menu because it's that East Coast. Meatball and spaghetti kind of spot, and to me, I'm like, oh, penny alla vodka is is literally the East Coast sauce of every mm-hmm. p 
pizza, slice, slice pizza plate. I mean, like, it's just that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing that seems ubiquitous and kind of also slightly unique to New York and the East Coast is penny alla vodka. Mm-hmm. I agree. I uh, like. We're going to eat. I like. Yeah, we, we, we will go. Um, we, we actually ran out of time. We have a Uh-oh. lot to cover, and we're going to cover a lot more next week. We have a lot of notes, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll save them. Plenty of material. But we do need to, uh, lastly... And also, we got a few gifts in the mail from some podcast fans that we have not got to yet. We got some... We got a, a, a full gift package. Oh, yeah, but we need Stewie for that. That Yeah, so next week we're going to cover all of that. So our listeners who have sent in some fun gifts. And also, I got some, uh, some weasel gold... Which is the uh, the coffee? Oh, that is shit out. Oh, the the little the little cat creatures. Yeah, man. Yeah, I got I've a, never had that. I got a pack of the Weasel Gold at the crib. What? And we didn't have time to get to it this week, but next. What's up, week, Holden Caulfield? Why? What? Ne- well, I wanted to make sure puff, we puff give. I want to make sure we do it all right. But all I right. got I got the pack. Next week I'll bring it over. We're gonna we'll brew it up and we're gonna talk about the Weasel Gold. So. Uh, if you're if you're the two people who sent us these wonderful gifts, and then and then Dave Powers brought sent over like a whole fucking box of all kinds of regional regional treats, and even a gift for Nikki from my other podcast, Tall Tales. So we're gonna get to all of that next week. A lot of other notes, a lot of weird food experiments that I'm doing right now as well. Mm-hmm. So we will talk about the best thing that we ate all week. Go for it, Andre. No, you first. Okay, well, I mean, I know what you're going to say, which is we went to uh, EP and LP. <laughs> it's a, officially, okay, a it's restaurant officially that we've talked now, about a lot. I've only gone twice. It's officially my favorite restaurant right now in LA. Mm. EP and LP, hands down, two meals, and the second meal we went to was their Singapore hawker style menu, which mm-hmm. was they did, I don't know how long, a week? Did they do it for a week? Yeah, I think today is probably the last day. They did it for like four or five days. It, and the first time I went was their regular menu, which was mind-blowing to me. Mm-hmm. And this menu was equally mind-blowing with a bunch of different dishes. And I'm just, I think what's going on in that kitchen for Asian food is it's just incredible. And if it was in Silver Lake, that I would go there. It would be the first person I would take somebody out of town. And again, mm-hmm. I complain about driving to the west side. Um, it, it's still now going to be the place that I want to take somebody when they come visit outside of Koreatown to go there because I think mm. it's just so impressive. If you do go, make sure you sit at the chef's counter table. It's the only place to sit. That's the, that's the only way to do it because then you get to see the guys making everything. You can bro down with them. Tell them you're friends with us and maybe they'll give you some cool stuff. Um, but yeah, that meal was fantastic. So best thing I ate, I think, was the Hainan chicken that was on their hawker menu and it was it was just incredible. It was made with broken rice. Um, everything was just perfect about it. I, also, I don't it even was, know where. Well, the main. And they used a Cornish game hen Cornish instead hen of, a, instead of an actual chicken, chicken mm-hmm. which came out really nice, you know, the way they were able to cut it and slice it. Because when you're using, like, you know, you can get smaller heritage chickens, but if you're using, like, a, like a six, seven pound bird, it's hard to slice that breast up to, like, a nice presentation size mm-hmm. a nice like bite size mouth size all those things sorry everybody i don't know why lenny's going off um hold on sorry sorry for that brief interruption lenny was barking but anyways 
Best thing I ate, Hainan chicken at EPNLP. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that, I mean, I don't know how difficult that is to have as a regular menu item, but it would be great to have mm-hmm. that always be on there. I agree with that. Uh, my favorite thing, it was a very simple thing. And when I ate it, I, was, I, f- I found myself just eating it nonstop very quickly, and it was done before I even realized it was done. But it was something that you made. What? The uh, What did I make? The pasta that you made. Oh, get out of here. Really? Yeah. I like that. I like that dish, but that's very sweet of you to say. Thank you. It was, it was a weird, it was kind of a sleeper thing where I ate, I uh, had a big old plate of it, and it, and it was, you know, it's very plain and simple. And It's maybe the simplest pasta you can make outside of like... But, uh, but everything about it, I, I just kept eating it and eating it, and then, you know, without even stopping to enjoy it. And then I was like, wow, that was actually a very, very I think it's the very best, satisfying meal. It's the best vegan pasta you can make. In and, my and this, you said it was a Nancy Silverton recipe. I think it's a Silverton recipe. It, uh, I, that's how I remember it. But I, it, I mean, it could be Finnegan. I mean, I, I right. th- But I think it. I think it's Silverton. Um, There's some white lady who made it in LA. <laughs> but it's basically who's been awarded a James Beard um, <laughs> recognition for sure. Half of the reason why it's so good is you used fresh angel hair pasta. From Little Dom's. From Little Dom's, where if you live in L.A., go buy fresh pasta from Little Dom's. It's very cheap and very good. Two bucks a serving. It's incredible. Uh, and cooked very well. Grazie. That part was really good. But the, the way you make the pasta sauce, which was kind of like a red sauce, you, you get a sheet pan, put it in the oven, olive oil lines the bottom of the pan. So- I d- actually, I mean, if you want to be technical, I put down the cherry tomatoes first. Okay, so, so oil, olive oil at the end. But anyway, okay. so you put in cherry tomatoes, some sliced onion, some whole garlic cloves. So two containers of cherry tomatoes, so maybe like a pound and a half. One sliced onion, and an onion like where you're literally just like doing big slices. Doesn't matter because mm-hmm. it's going to blend at the end. So it's very simple, like no dicing, no mm-hmm. brunoise, like nothing. And then maybe eight garlic cloves. Salt, pepper, salt, red chili flake, chili flake. That's it. And then no herbs. Nope. And then olive oil to basically it's a high walled sheet pan that I use. It's a half sheet pan, high walled. Mm-hmm. So I would say like olive oil up to halfway up the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Some small cherry tomatoes. So it's a, so a decent amount. So I mean, it's a confit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and that's the term. Confit. And then you roast Which that in the that oven term, for hour, hour and a half. It's like an hour and a half at four hundred. I want to have it. So that's, you're blasting it. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, so you, you hadn't seen me make that before. You've had that before, but, um, you saw all the top getting blackened and you're like, yo, is this like, not questioning, but you're like, is this, is, you know, you want to pull this out? Right. So you want the tops to get charred. So like the tops of the cherry tomatoes are going to be black. not, not like salt, like Mexican salsa black, but they're going to be like black. Good and, color on And them. color on the onion tops and color on the garlic and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And then you just take that whole sheet pan, dump it into a, a blender, and blend it on high. A couple minutes, everything yeah, emulsifies just, together. Just turn it into this, emulsify the shit out of it so it will never separate no Blast matter what you do. Blast out of it. Yeah. And then you have a really nice tomato sauce that you can just mix with anything. And then top with fresh basil and some Pecorino Romano. Boom! But the, t- the fresh basil is really important because there's nothing aromatic, there's nothing fresh about that. It tastes right. really good, but you need that brightness. You need something to kind of break up. 
and don't and don't have the basil folded in with it. Hell no, no, Straight no, no, no. Up raw dog right on top. Exactly. So you got okay, perfect. Thank you for listening to our podcast. TheStewPodcast.com is our website. If you like this show, go on iTunes and subscribe. Tell a friend. Give us a nice five-star rating and review. Come Samira. Come Samira. If you speak Korean, follow Andre Kanapar on social media. He has no social media. Mm. His mom has no social media. She should, though. She'd kill it. Follow me at Them Jeans on all that stuff. And next week, we'll come back and cover everything else that we need to get into. With Stewie. With my brother. <coughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>